Welcome to this week's episode of Freedom Fanatics. This week we'll be discussing critical race theory and also trying to understand why your voting empowers you. Um, so stay tuned, we are going to have a great show. Hey, so welcome to Freedom Fanatics. This is a production of the Freedom Advocacy Network. And this show is every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook. And you can find us on IGTV as well. Uh, my name is Solon, and this week I'm joined by Alex and Mr. Marius Rue. Um, Thank you guys for being on the show today. And first up, we'll be having a quick look into our latest explainer video, um, which finishes every Monday. And this one is titled Critical Race Theory, The New Apartheid Thinking. Let's have a quick watch. You are an individual, not just a race or a skin color. The upper deck government did not believe this to be true. Sadly, the South African government of today also thinks you are just a race or a skin color. Race was what defined you in apartheid South Africa, not your beliefs, faith, values, ideas, or ambitions, just race. If you had the right skin color, you had opportunities to get a good education get a good job, and build a comfortable life. Not so much if you had the wrong skin color. In South Africa today, most people are not obsessed with race. However, the sad truth is that, like the proponents of apartheid, many of today's politicians are obsessed with the color of your skin rather than the quality of your life. This sort of racism has increasingly become even more aggressive across the world due to something called critical race theory, CRT. CRT teaches us that your skin color is the most important part of your identity, that all white people are oppressors, and that all black people are victims. In South Africa, more and more laws, regulations, policies, and decisions are showing how many powerful politicians support these untrue and dangerous core beliefs of CRT. Examples of laws and policies becoming increasingly based on CRT are BEE, Government decisions to only help some businesses during the COVID-19 crisis based on race, sporting coaches, and people chosen to be our judges. These racist CRT policies hold that all white people are villains and that all black people are victims who can't succeed through their own efforts and skills. This is racist and must stop. CRT, the belief that your skin color makes you either bad or weak, must not be allowed to divide South Africans who want to build a non-racial free country. It's time to say no to this new apartheid thinking. Your freedom is worth fighting for. Join Fan today to build a new tomorrow. Yeah, so you know, let's just, um, explain the video. Our team brilliantly broke down CRT to its most um, basic form, I think. And, uh, and basically just explain how it's a continuation of racist ideas that were held as well by the um, apartheid regime. 
Um, so Alex, I'd like to come to you first. And I'd just like to make the point that, you know, like CRT is not just some abstract theory that's relevant to sociology students on university campuses, but that it actually has real life policy outputs, especially by the ANC government. Mm, yeah, 100%. And I mean, the thing is, the the ideology itself, which traces back to 1960s academia, um, you know, it start, started there and it, it sort of leaked into society and taken grips, particularly in the Western world. Um, and, you know, that what what we basically point out in the in the explainer video is is the simplicity of it, of making race central to, to your, your person, to your character, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what's important for South Africans today is how that same sort of thinking informs policy and policy decisions. And what we try to do at FAN in particular is to emphasize how policies impact your everyday life. Um, and so what's quite interesting in the latest developments following the cabinet reshuffle is uh, the new finance minister, uh, he, he's been a big proponent of employment equity and affirmative action. And, um, you know, that's something that really hampers business um, and job creation in South Africa, which then impacts your quality of life, your ability to provide for your family. And so it's really important to understand these simple ideas um, and hopefully this explainer video, um, you know, you don't need to share a policy document uh, or the ANC's Umrabulo, like 100-page report on what they want to do with the country and probably grind it to dust. But um, you know, this is this is this is what it is. Um, you know, simple race-based policies, and South Africans know it all too well. Yeah, I mean, like like you just mentioned, like Africans political elite, they usually like run with these race-based policies and. Yeah, and just to gain their political outputs and the things they want to actually achieve. And usually it's to the detriment of ordinary South Africans, um, who this doesn't actually matter to. And Maurice, do you have any final thoughts for us? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, when it comes to things like race-based policy in South Africa, uh, right now there's no legal definition of what a black person is or what a white person is, what an Indian person is, or what a colored person is. And we actually, we if somebody goes and says, and I'm actually a black person, and somebody looks at them and says, no, you're white, we would actually have to use apartheid uh, legislation to determine what race a person is. And it tells you something, I mean, if we think about uh, Glenn Steinman, that teacher from Otswaran, who uh, is classified as colored using apartheid terms, but he called himself an African. And uh, the Western Cape uh, Education Department actually wanted to sue him for fraud. Uh, lucky the case was taken away by Debbie Schaefer. But it tells you something that we've gone... Where, what kind of rabbit hole we've gone down that somebody like Glenn Snayman, who's most likely descended from the Khoisan people, he cannot even call himself an African. It tells you something that what's happened to the country. Yeah, and thanks for your thoughts on that. Um, so yeah, and to our viewers, you don't forget to catch our, our explainer videos, which are released every Monday, and they can be found on all our social media platforms. You can check it out on our Facebook page, on Freedom Advocacy Network. Uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Badger of Liberty. And now we'll be discussing our article for this week. And this week's one is titled, um, Voting Empowers You to Influence the Future. And it was written by one of our fan um, colleagues, Tari Khan. And yeah, Marius, I'd actually like to come to you first as well. Um, so yeah, according to research by the South African Institute of Race Relations, 
over 20 million South Africans did not vote in the 2019 elections, which I I kind of think is a shame, to be honest, um, because voting is more than just casting your vote and electing a politician to represent you, but it's also about choosing the ideas and the values and even the direction that are going to have an impact on your future and the future of this country. Yes, exactly. People, as you say, people mustn't think that voting is just something you go do once every five years or in the cases. It's one of the most important things you can do as a citizen of a country. And you need to look around you. If people aren't happy with the uh, state of the country, they need to go vote for somebody else. People might say it doesn't make a difference, but it definitely does. We've seen that you can vote uh, people, you know, that you don't like out of power in South Africa and around the world. And your vote is the most powerful tool you have in, in the country. Our, our Colleague Herman Pretorius has also made the point that if every person who is uh, unhappy with the status quo just takes one other person that didn't vote in the last election and takes them with to the ballot box, they will be able to vote out the current government and, you know, things they, we might be able to start seeing change in what it be. But it's, it's actually it's an indictment on uh, our political parties, uh, and this is speaking in general terms, not just about the governing party, that 20 million South Africans couldn't even bother to go vote in the last election. And uh, I'm not a fan of compulsory voting, but I definitely think voting is a right, but it's also a responsibility. And people need to go use that to make uh, politicians listen to them. And uh, I've made the point before on the show that uh, the ANC even does listen to people when she's under pressure at the ballot box. I think a good example was in Port Elizabeth or Nelson Mandela Bay uh, before mm -hmm. the 2016 election. Uh, I can't remember who the uh, mayor was. I think his name started with the, um, uh, his first name was Ben, I think. But anyway, that's besides the point. He was, you know, he wasn't a particularly effective guy. So what the ANC did, in, did they brought in Danny Ordan as their uh, mayoral candidate for 2016. And whatever you think of Danny Ordan, he's shown himself to be a very capable administrator. He ran, he was in charge of running the 2010 World Cup here in South Africa, which he did a very good mm -hmm. job of. So it shows you that the ANC was, uh, could, was seeing that there was going to be pressure at the ballot box. They still lost that election, but it showed you that they do, uh, listen to the voters when they see that they could be they could lose uh, lose an election yeah and another thing that i want to also push on because i mean like in south africa we're very privileged to be able to have like multi-party elections like it's actually a privilege to have a wide range of political parties to choose from and Maris, on that i actually want to ask you as well what do you think it will take for south africans to have a favorable view of political parties and the political elite in South Africa? What do the political elite need to do to change our minds? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, they could talk about that for hours, but I think one of the main things, obviously, we've seen how the political elite in South Africa has, you know, I think it's really destroyed uh, the trust that South Africans had in them. We see the issues of corruption every day that come out. We also see such, uh, you know, people that would, are, I mean, to be frank, they shouldn't be uh, near a, a kitchen cabinet, near my national cabinet of the country. Yet they are appointed to very important positions. Then they often make decisions that we know are not for the good of the country, but are uh, for people with, with connections and what, what have you. I mean, you can talk about so many things. I mean, a good example is uh, how um, Stella and Benny Abrams has been meddling in uh, the running of the SABC. I think there's an example. That's obviously been done for, you know, uh, for patronage and so on. It's not for the good of the country. And there's um, so many uh, issues where we could uh, point to where it's obvious that the people in the cabinet are not being, are not doing things for the good of South Africa, but for the good of the ANC or the, the various patronage networks. But then, as I said, at the same time, other political parties also have to look at themselves. 
Uh, I mean, the DA has been struggling to get above 20% of the votes. And, you know, for all the DA's faults, they, they are quite an efficient government and whatever you, but for some reason, people don't want to vote for the party. Or not, well, most of them don't want to vote for the party. And the DA also needs to ask itself well, why, why that is. Uh, people sort of vote for the EFF uh, in uh, big numbers, only got 10% of the vote, but I would argue that that is a good thing. I'm not a fan of the EFF's policies or uh, their, their leadership, so we won't go there. But yeah, I think it shows you that we have, I think, 14 parties in Parliament, and yeah. the ANC still gets um, nearly 60% of the votes. But uh, also remember that you're going to see electoral reform soon in South Africa, and people will be able to directly uh, vote for people who go represent them in Parliament or the various provincial legislatures. So I think that will also make a difference. People will be able to say, this is the person who represents me and my community, because at the moment, when you vote for parliament or the provincial legislature, you just vote for a party. Once we have electoral reform, which now the Constitutional Court says we have to have, there needs to be a new electoral act by the middle of next year, then people will be able to go and say, uh, where, where are you from? You are voting for this person to represent your community. Of course, that is not a silver bullet, but I think it will go some way to making politicians a bit more responsive to South Africans. Yeah. Um, like something I, I also have to note is that like we the tw 20 million people not voting for as you say there's like 14 political parties in our parliament 20 million people not voting there is definitely something wrong and like the political parties that are they really need to do some um self-reflection i think in my opinion um for sure and alex you know when you like speak to youth or those who are disengaged from voting you usually see that they are like this enchanted like like Marius noted, um, the political elite are liars, they are corrupt, they, you know, they, they are, they are self-serving. Those are usually the things that, those are the views many audience South mm -hmm. Africans have of politicians and so forth. And what do you think needs to change for South Africans to be more politically engaged? Man, it's so hard because uh, I think like you've mentioned before is that uh, South African political involvement has taken the shape of service delivery protests. And sure. I think it's really hard because when you feel so bashed, and I think what's important about what Mario says about, you know, more, more sort of local accountability is people need to feel like they're getting banged for their buck, even if it's in the form of a, a vote, which, which is not a, a monetary transaction, but people need to feel like there's something happening. And there needs to be some sort of feedback mechanism. And I mean, if you think like, you know, if you need to gamify elections you know people need to feel like there's they're getting something you know like it's simple like when you you know if you have an app um and you or you play a game on your phone you, there's lots of uh, sort of feedback loops that says if you do this you get this out and i think because for so long we had crumbling service delivery um and you know people don't think, ah, if I get this person in or if I can get my local ward councillor in, you know, I can get that puddle full that I've been driving over. Um, but I think, yeah, the, I think the, just to, to, to wrap up, um, I think the, you know, I think the, the IEC has also got a role to play. I think in getting people registered to vote, um, there's got to be a bigger part on, on their, on their, they, they need, maybe they need better incentives to get people to to actually register um, mm -hmm. because you know we a lot of people have access to phones and whatever internet penetration there is we need to mobilize um, and in terms of politicians uh, I'll leave that up to them but you know I think it's just got to be it needs to be made to feel real and like at FAN we try to break down policy very simply 
people have got to understand that you know if you vote um you know your life can actually change uh for the better so it's just got to be made much more personal less abstract less away from corruption and much more to people's actual daily lives and how that though they can help improve that yeah like i don't i don't mean to brag but i really do think like yeah at fair we do a way better job at explaining public <laughs> policy than politicians do themselves <laughs> but yeah thanks for thanks for that you guys um so yeah you can find all our written content on our website freedomadvocacy.net and uh, now we have reached the end of this episode so thank you guys for being on the show and to our viewers don't forget to catch us every tuesday at 6 p.m on youtube and facebook and to join fan you can sign up at freedomadvocacy.net and remember your freedom is worth fighting for